Welcome to the Room of Lives. I am your host, Neil. In this part of my conversation with Pace Davis, we discuss contemporary intellectual leaders. In today's world, atheist rationalists like Sam Harris have replaced religious heads as thought leaders. What is driving young people, especially men, to flock to these thought leaders? Should we defer to them for all the spheres that they speak on, or do they have their blind spots as well? If you enjoy listening to this conversation, consider supporting me by donating DAI or Ether to abhranil.eth. That's A-B-H-R-A-N-I-L dot E-T-H. So you wanted to talk about the thought leaders of the current day and yeah. why people are flocking to them. So yeah. I'm very interested in this. I guess uh, it started for me, um, you know, I guess I'll talk you know, personally in my story. I think, um, you know, I've had this idea um, since like, so I stopped believing in God when I was a child. And um, I remember my first year at college. How I mean, old were you, by the way? Six okay. or seven. Okay. So pretty young. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I remember just thinking, like, this is yeah. a joke. It's yeah. not real. Yeah. Um, and when I got to college, I remember my first, like, week at the University of Texas at San Antonio. I was walking down the hallway mm. in one of the buildings, and I saw, to a criminal justice class. Mm. And I saw a flyer that said, Atheist Agenda, meeting, like, Tuesdays or something. What? Atheist Agenda. Atheist Agenda. Meeting Tuesdays. Mm. And I thought, and I turned to my friend, and I said, why the fuck would atheists need to meet? They're atheists. That's the whole point. You mm -hmm. just, you got rid of God. Now you don't need to go to church. Yeah. So you have no reason to meet. Isn't yeah. that the point of being an atheist? And he yeah. was like, I don't know. Yeah. And so I remember thinking to myself, like, why would atheists need to get together? Mm -hmm. What would be the point? And I think that I, this was before I was aware of like Richard Dawkins, mm -hmm. guys like Sam Harris, these mm -hmm. people that ended up becoming these, like, I don't know, kind of villains, right? For, uh, mm -hmm. you know, religious figures, right? Yeah. Um, and then now um, there's um, oh what's his name we just talked about him in the Jordan Peterson Jordan Peterson right yeah. um, and so and like Joe Rogan right yeah. um, and um, at the time you know I thought because I I think I don't know if it's the you know kind of the visions I've had of like bullying and justice or whatever but I've always been really opposed to the cult of personality I don't really I don't really like. I've never really been drawn to believe that people have more to offer than they might have to offer. Mm. So like, um, I can think like, Oh, that person's movie is incredible and they could be a totally terrible person. and I could never want to meet them, mm -hmm. but they have good movies. Mm -hmm. But I think what I've seen too, is that there's a lot of, instead of this idea of like, if you like someone's movies, you want to like them as a person. Or if you like their novels, you want them to have been a decent person as well. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't particularly find that to be important for me personally. And so I think, when I stopped believing God, I thought to myself, well, why would I ever want to talk about, like, isn't this, isn't the absence of God, the wonderful absence of having to talk about something? Mm. And so I didn't go around like debating atheism. I never, even I, you know, friends and I would discuss it and they would say like, you know, uh, why don't you believe? And I was like, I just don't, I mean, I don't, I don't really care about it. That's actually why I don't believe because I don't think about it. Um, that's, you know, one of the reasons, right? And I think that there's other people who like, and maybe it's their religious experience was different, but they really want to, explain why they don't believe they need you to know right mm -hmm. um and so I, I, that was the first time i ever remember noticing that thought in my mind of like what an interesting gap to fill 
you know, like this, maybe it's this gap of religion, maybe it's this gap of community, maybe it's the, the space family used to fill, but now it seems like it's like filled by this, by this, um, by these, these new talking heads, these new figures. And so I noticed as, you know, I, I like to read kind of, you know, like I like to read Reddit, I like to read, I try to like follow kind of intellectual trails. But I noticed more and more often they were leading back to people like Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson, especially among men. And I, I guess I exclusively mean among men. Like no woman ever linked me to a Sam Harris podcast. <laughs> um, okay. But um, but they kept leading back. And, you know, there's this appeal, right? They come off as these very rational people. Um, and as the election was, you know, kind of coming near, right? Like there was this kind of, there were these fears around who was going to win. And then Donald Trump won. And then there was this kind of, almost hysteria around Donald Trump winning. And then there was like this, and then I felt like there was an intellectual push even more to follow people like Jordan Peterson and Harris as the real reasonable people now. In an unreasonable world, these were kind of the new intellectual, these were the new thought leaders of our generation. And so I, I, I looked into Jordan Peterson and I thought, okay, well, Jordan Peterson sounds like he has knowledge on a topic, which is psychology. Mm -hmm. And then he seems like he has very little knowledge on almost all other topics, right? Like he, he doesn't, jump out as an incredibly wise person. I mean, he makes basic proclamations about how to live your day, which is to make a list of things to do and do it, mm -hmm. right? Which is like, you know, not particularly new advice. Mm -hmm. It's not original. Um, and so I thought, okay, that's interesting. But I found, and then Sam Harris, I think Sam Harris, I've heard him have some really interesting guests. He seems well-read in philosophy. Um, I really enjoyed his Robert Sapolsky episode with a neuroendocrinologist, Robert Sapolsky. And then I listened to his opinion on Palestine, and I thought, Jesus, this is a... This is a this is a garbage opinion that was formed with garbage, mm. and then I listened to his opinion on Islam, and I thought, again, this is like kind of a garbage. And it's hard to tell if he's if he's trying to if he's trying to appeal to his audience, mm. or if he's actually has the blind spots that are that large. Mm. Um, but I think I kept like running into these these kind of these thought leaders, and what I found was odd is that when I would encounter someone in public, again, almost always a man but they would quote Jordan Peterson or Sam Harris and they would almost deify them. Mm. Like they were not just these, these like people who wrote a book who had an, opi an opinion that was valid and they were capable of having totally invalid opinions about every other topic. Mm. Right. They were bigger. They were better than that. They mm. were like smarter. They were, they were truly telling us how to live our lives. And they were like the, the, the only reasonable people. Mm. And even Joe Rogan, like Joe Rogan is looked at as this, he's looked up to, right. Or uh, Tim Ferriss, mm. the four hour work week, right. Right. Um, people don't say like tim ferris had a good idea mm. they say like oh my god have you ever heard tim ferris mm. and it's not like they don't talk simply about the topic and for example joe rogan i mean joe rogan's success is joe rogan says wow a lot and i think that's a really smart tactic he doesn't endorse the opinions of his guests which is an intelligent thing to do he invites guests on and then just says like whoa wow really tell me more mm. whoa wow keep going mm. oh you only eat ground beef jordan peterson explain how intelligent that is and he doesn't say like oh that's a great idea i'm eating ground beef he says yeah. like keep talking about the fact that you only eat ground beef yeah. like i want to hear more about this yeah. but people look at jerome also as like this this like you know fantastical person right mm. and so i guess i just like i think i became more and more concerned with like what is driving like what is driving particularly men and i mean i i don't you know i, I don't think i don't i mean I, I don't i don't see this happening as much like in the same way right what is particularly driving men in america who are intelligent right um and it doesn't mean they're intelligent on everything it means they are just intelligent people educated men right 
um, in cities and urban areas to flock to people like this as their thought leaders? Mm. Why do they need to identify with these individuals? Mm. And is it is it like is it the religion has disappeared and they need to identify with something, or is it that is it that they feel like under siege somehow, or like their power is slipping and these are the people that are telling them they're going to be safe? Do you think that there is some correlation between? The, the, the people that you see flocking to these thought leaders and having a lack of traditional religious belief? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't ever remember encountering conversations other than someone talking about their, like, church services they go to, mm-hmm. you know? But I also, I also, like, I'm not sure if it's none of them are religious or if those are just art conversations. Mm-hmm. But I think I've been surprised at the thoughtfulness. So, because, like, I could, so there are people that could, could mention Jordan Peterson. I go, oh, that makes perfect sense that you think Jordan Peterson's amazing. Like, you... You probably you also sound like you hate women every time you talk about women, right? Mm-hmm. But there are really thoughtful people that will talk about Jordan Peterson to me that seem to have that seem to have on many issues um, uh, delicate opinions, right? They seem to have the ability to have um, a lot of conflicting views in their head at the same time and to try to find the way through, mm-hmm. right? To find a kind of capital T truth mm-hmm. in the sea of all of the mm-hmm. smaller truths. But, 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 and so I, I think that, that, that it's like, it's borderline alarming, actually, how much airplay some of these people get Mm. and how, like, um, how well they're respected despite their glaring blind spots. Mm. And and I am not saying they can't be respected for the things they were right about or are Mm. seemingly right about, but it's like interesting, like people who listen to Sam Harris about one topic may also listen to his, his, his opinions on Islam. Mm. And, you know, this is this, and Sam Harris is a man who literally asked his guest on his podcast if Huma Abedin, who is Clinton's aide, might be a long-term, like, Islamic insurgent who'd been conning, okay, to give it back on, Huma Abedin was married to um, Anthony Weiner, right? Anthony Weiner, the famous mm-hmm. uh, penis pictures, mm-hmm. like, sexer. Anthony Weiner is, well, Anthony Weiner is Jewish. Anthony Weiner is an ardent supporter of Israel, right? Anthony Weiner is a vocal supporter of Israel, right? Huma Abedin was his wife. Huma Abedin's family is Muslim. Huma Abedin marries... Okay, so first off, Huma Abedin has, is, a, is, a, is a Muslim woman who is married outside of her faith, mm. which is not allowed. The other, the reverse is allowed. Muslim women are, or Christian and Jewish women are allowed to marry Muslim men. Mm. The others are having. She's still alive. Mm-hmm. And her mother, he argues, is tied in some way to Islamicists. I don't actually know anything about her. Interesting Sam Harris argues. Sam Harris yeah. argues Huma Abedin's mother is yeah. tied to Islamicism. Yeah. Right? And so he actually asks the guest on his show if she's a long con, he says, like, oh, is this just crazy for me to think? Or is it like maybe she's secretly an Islamicist and she's like one of the smartest Islamicists ever? Mm. And you think about that, like that statement, mm. I mean, that, I can't imagine you making that statement at, about another topic, about another religion, right? Mm. And maintaining your your public standing, right? I mean, he's not he's not saying, like, Clement Abedin wrote an email that said, like, Muslims will rule the world one day, I can't wait. Mm-hmm. She literally married a Jewish man outside of her faith, mm-hmm. and her mother has some ties, according to him, I don't even know what those ties are, but is a Muslim, basically, right? Like, And maybe also is part of an Islamic party, mm-hmm. right? And he's literally asking, I guess, the question of, like, is this a long con? Mm-hmm. Is she a sleeper cell? Mm-hmm. So this isn't, and he would, he always portrays it as like, I'm just telling the truth. Mm-hmm. I just need people to understand that, that Muslims really are scary. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, that's, I mean, I, I heard that and I thought to myself, and this, and people, 
who respect his other opinions are coming to this podcast and actually taking this seriously because they know nothing about Islam. Mm. They know nothing about Huma Abedin, right? Mm. They know nothing about the situation at hand. And so I think uh, one of my concerns, like, with that kind of, these thought leaders, Richard Dawkins, right, or Bill Maher is a great example. Mm. I think a lot of liberals love Bill Maher because he's like the hard pocket liberal. Yeah, I just don't, I don't think of him as a particularly intelligent person to begin with. Bill Maher? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but people look, they look to him for their sense of like, you know, worth and sense of self and sense of identity, right? And and I think that, you know, just, um, I guess my question is like, what does, you know, what is the search for identity is specifically among men, right? Because like, that's who I think this is all appealing to. I don't think Sam Harris has a large female audience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think Jordan Peterson has a female audience, mm-hmm. particularly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, despite the fact that they both say they do. Mm-hmm. Um, what is this, um, what culturally is, what does it indicate? Um, is it like the, is it like the fear of men? Uh, is it the need for identity? Is it the lack of religion? Is it the fear that the seas are changing and that to be a man is no longer... And I don't really think men would say it's no longer advantageous. I think what many men would say is like, it's now dangerous to be a man. I think that's the way I would describe it. I don't think it would be like, we once had it so good and we had all of these advantages and now we're simply having to share those advantages and therefore they are going away. Mm-hmm. I feel like what you would instead hear is like, so risky to be a man out there, you say the wrong thing, it's over. Because that's the way Sam Harris talks about it. He's like, you make one misstep and your career's over. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think that has happened. I don't think it's happened to Sam Harris. Mm-hmm. I think Sam Harris is a millionaire, mm-hmm. despite the things he said, right? Mm-hmm. Or actually, maybe because of the things he said, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, that he would be exaggerating greatly, specifically talking about himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jordan Peterson, you know, pretends that he's persecuted. But Jordan Peterson obviously loves the spotlight, obviously mm-hmm. loves being able to go around and give speeches, obviously mm-hmm. loves being adored. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like Jordan Peterson was like, I got attacked online and I shied away from the public eye. Mm. He was like, I got attacked online and I'm going full steam. I want to get attacked some more. Mm. Um, so um, I guess, I don't know, um, just that's been on my mind, just this idea of what 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 does it indicate about... And, and, you know, we earlier were talking in the living room about this idea of, like, Facebook news feeds and being catered to, um, you know, to a certain intellectual view. Is it is it simply that if you go down that rabbit hole at all, mm. right? Like uh, one of the people we're talking to is like, how many videos do you have to write, watch that are conservative before you see a Nazi video, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like is the algorithm writing of YouTube or is the is the SEO writing of Jordan Peterson supporters so good that if you search two searches about a man being like uh, accused of sexual assault falsely, are you then automatically part of Jordan Peterson's video? Yeah. You know, like, is that where you go, right? Mm. Or do you go into like Nazi stuff? Or like, what, you know, what, what, uh, you know, how are men getting so pulled into this? Because people will casually say like, oh, I read his 12 rules to live by and it's gospel. It's like, that's a poorly rehashed version of philosophers for, you know, millennia, right? Like mm-hmm. that's been mm-hmm. basically said better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but those philosophers are not on current TV and media yeah. presenting themselves with so much force. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of it has to do with kind of the force of personality. I definitely think that is true for Bill Maher. Yeah. That he has a lot of momentum and, and, and force. Yeah. And uh, people sit up and take notice. Yeah. And in some ways they want, people want to have that force within themselves. Mm-hmm. So like, this is what I want for myself. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, no. maybe sometimes the exact arguments kind of take a backseat. Yeah. And 
they just want a leader. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe we actually truly do enjoy like authoritarian figures. Mm. You know, maybe we do enjoy like the mm. kind of like the the certain politician. Yeah. You know? We're driven to the person that tells us things are going to change. We're not really. A lot of people aren't driven to like the softly spoken politician who's like. I'm going to go try to talk to people about making some policy yeah. and we're going to see if they agree. Yeah. No one votes for that guy. Yeah, yeah. They vote for the, the, you know, they vote yeah. for the Beto or the, you know, yeah. and I think they follow the yeah. Sam Harris yeah. who's certain that Islam is evil. Mm. And he's telling you, yeah. he knows. So you, uh, you mentioned these thought leaders that are influencing in your mind, mostly, uh, men. Yeah. Have you thought about, are there, can you think of any contemporary thought? leaders for women and well, are there any shared features and what are the differences um so you know it's weird i don't like i mean obviously okay so i think there are thought leaders um i mean i think generationally i would say like listening to people you know my my mother's age right you get like the there's always been like the kind of like the, the michelle obama kind of oprah winfrey uh hillary clinton kind of age right mm -hmm. For younger, the only person that I feel like I hear referenced by, like, a larger breadth of women is Brene Brown. Okay. University of Houston. Okay. She basically writes a lot about, like, love and relate. And I and I haven't read her work, but I was just like... And, like, vulnerability? Yeah. So, oh, okay. All right. I remember now someone mentioned... Yeah. yeah. But it is interesting that she's quite a different thought leader and that she's, like, actually writing about exposing herself and searching and, like... You know, I mean, and what seems like a, like a not a list of you do this and you get to be a successful man, alpha man who owns mm -hmm. the world. Mm -hmm. It's instead like you have to fall apart and mm -hmm. then, you know, try to work yourself back together. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's like the, I, I, I don't know of other thought leaders. And I think that, um, I think that that's interesting. I think that it's like, I don't feel like I hear. Mm. The very fact is kind of interesting that you go around and ask any person, whether they're a man or a woman. To name some contemporary thought leaders, and if they're well read and they'll be reading this stuff, I don't think a lot of female names are going to yeah pop up. Yeah, well, and it, and it kind of feels like you know one of those questions of if I'm just am I just like not exposed to these conversations that women are having at all, mm. or is it? Um, and that may very well be the case, right? It may be that like I'm not exposed to them because I either don't ask or I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm not listening or whatever, mm -hmm. right? Like, that's always possible. Mm -hmm. um, the other factor would be, like, also, like, it seems like at least one of the feelings I get is that there's less need to have someone who's telling you exactly how you're going to succeed mm -hmm. and dominate. Mm -hmm. Which is, like, you know, because I, mean, I think that, um, you know, content it doesn't have to be contemporary, but thought leaders in America are often people that tell you how you're going to dominate. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, they and, they, and they can cast it in this gentle way. Like, Sam Harris has a soft voice. Mm. And he acts like he's, like, open to all kinds of opinions. But he's telling you something with absolute certainty, usually. Mm. You know? Um, so I wonder that that's also part of it. Like, Brene Brown isn't telling you how you're going to dominate your family mm. or your life. <laughs> She's not telling you how you're going to climb in the, you know, the tech ladder. Yeah. Um, so that's also... Yeah. Some, and that's why, I mean, I say, like, generally when I read... Mm. I mean, generally when I read female authors, like, mm. you get less of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like crush and dominate, so, you know. You just get less of that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that there aren't any women that aren't admired, but I mean, some women are admired for mm -hmm. that aspect of their personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I was actually very influenced by my first um, exposure to, to Sam Harris's ideas. This was back in the time when I had heard nothing else about him. Yeah. No political stuff. Nothing about Islam. Yeah. I had never seen him. Like, he hadn't really emerged on 
the media. Yeah. And uh, I kind of forget now who recommended this book to me, but it was a book that had nothing to do with any politics or, or, or Islam or any of this stuff. And it was called, it was a book called Waking Up, A yeah. Guide to Spirituality Without Religion. And I was a big fan of that book and I'll stand by it even today. Yeah. Like, I think it kind of uh, catalyzed yeah. a transformation in my life a couple of years after I came to graduate school in a way that I actually, I started to value spirituality and religion yeah. uh, after many, many years of just being a kind of increasingly militant atheist. Yeah. Um, and then Sam Harris started to pop up in many other places oh. and I started seeing mentions of him as an Islamophobe. Like, I don't know any of this stuff. What is going on here? Mm-hmm. And uh, when I started to learn a little bit more about the other stuff, at some point I kind of decided that in the beginning I would be kind of defensive about him because it, the, this book that I read was, yeah. was almost the entire picture of Sam Harris that I had in my head. Yeah, I was like, oh, it must be everything that I'm hearing, it must be kind of taken out of context or whatever, because I know that this guy isn't like that. Yeah. In fact, you guys haven't read the book. Like this guy, like this book made me consider seriously uh, spirituality and like, yeah. he's not really the militant atheist kind of grumpy person that you're... But then at some point I kind of decided that this is not really my business to yeah. defend him as a person. Yeah. The story ends, I read something about him and that I, I really value it. And it's a completely different world from what the other stuff that he's saying. Sometimes there's absolutely no connection between the stuff that he wrote in this book and the stuff that he's written in other books. Yeah. And it's not really my business or my responsibility to go around trying to defend the whole person. Because yeah. I know, what do I know what else he thinks about and how else, mm-hmm. how else he feels. Um, so, and uh, yeah. it's been pretty peaceful since I made the decision. <laughs> like, I'm not going to have discussions with you about Sam Harris on any other topic than this one book that I really highly recommend. Yeah. Well, and that seems like that's the approach that would be ideal and holistic to like mm-hmm. many people, right? Is like they can have a valid idea, yeah. and then they can have a bunch of yeah. invalid ideas, yeah, yeah, or they can be like really useless outside of one yeah. field. But I can see why it can be unsettling. Like if you were taking not technical advice of how to solve this or fix this or yeah. answer this problem, but you're taking life advice from a person, yeah. you want to be able to kind of holistically look up to them. Yeah. And therefore your identity gets vested in them and you see that they did something you have, you find some sort of internal compulsion yeah. to try and make sure that, oh, no, 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 it wasn't actually false. Because then if you find out that, the, you know, 70% of what this person is saying is kind of bullshit, but you yeah. will take the 30%, then you have to take it upon yourself to decide what is right and what is yeah. not. And it was kind of a relief to not have to do that in the first place when you found someone that, oh, okay, yeah, I yeah. just trust this person. And I, and I can just read and I really like and I'll do what they're telling me to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I mean, I can, I mean, I think it's kind of not very hard to understand where the sentiment comes from mm-hmm. in, in certain people. You have to have a certain degree of uh, kind of uh, original thinking. And I, I, I would say a kind of a certain amount of courage yeah. to decide this is, this is the only thing that I can take from this person. And then the rest is, you know, I kind of have to decide what is good and what is bad. And, uh, the, that that can be a you know that can be a slightly more yeah it's it's a harder path to to walk really yeah and not everyone can do it that that's why people just kind of look at the absolute mm-hmm. you know um, sources of of wisdom so yeah. they don't have to worry about yeah. trying to figure things out for themselves yeah um, yeah yeah I, uh, that's a good point I like I guess. It's just 
it's you know it's hard i um i think that it's it is worrying right because you see people who are like yeah in search of hope mm. really you know, that's true i think we can we can have all kinds of things they're in search for but hope is probably a good word mm. at least in my estimation for what most people are looking for mm. they're not looking for like doom and gloom and death right mm. they're looking for someone to promise them a better future mm. whether that's through action on their part or that's through no action at all and simply you know Politically, right, people don't vote for candidates who are telling them how bad things are and that yeah. things are going to get worse. Yeah. Uh, unless, or they'll say, unless you elect me, and then things get better, right? Like, mm-hmm. So people vote for hope. Mm-hmm. And they'll do a lot of things based on hope. Mm-hmm. And I think people look for these intellectual guides mm-hmm. based on hope. And so to find someone for spirituality is mm-hmm. hopeful, right? Mm-hmm. But then the extension of that is like you're saying. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I just, it's been an interesting, interesting thing I encountered that I, I didn't, I don't think I expected to encounter, I guess I just hadn't thought much about it before. Um, but the amount I encountered, the random run-ins with men, you know, and maybe that's part of it is like I, I talk to a lot of different people. I try to talk to a lot of different people I run into, men I run into about things that I care about. And the number that mentioned Jordan Peterson, Sam Harris, and over the last 15 years, the number that mentioned Bill Maher. And I thought to myself, like, out of all the people to admire, like, you, you aren't saying, like, this person has one valid opinion. Mm. You're saying, like, wow, have you read anything by them? It's incredible. Mm. And so I think that, that just piqued my interest and, you know, something to kind of constantly think about is, like, what is, um, what's the correct response to that? And then, and then, and then, and then what, you know, what is it, you know, as far as men go, like, what is, <clears throat> what would be the way to offer that hope to men that, that was healthier? That I think would be like a healthier. Mm-hmm. So like if, if you know, not that I would, but like if I was to write or if I was to make a podcast or I was to talk about a subject, right? Say like, how could you appeal to people who would experience spirituality for the first time and appreciate it, mm-hmm. uh, and also offer them like a you know like a Brene Brown mm-hmm. kind of uh, you know look internally solve these like dilemmas deal with these negative his- histories mm. and then like come out more hopeful mm. and like more open to alternatives instead mm. of what i feel like sam harris and jordan peterson offer which is like you feel hurt by life right and i think for many people i think that and i don't mean sam harris the spiritual side i mean sam harris the like islamophobic um islamophobic uh um kind of uh, somewhat dogmatic, anti, uh, anti-leftist mm. that he is. Same thing as Jordan Peterson, right? Is it, is it, it seems like men have this feeling that society has outpaced them, not in a positive way, in a negative way. Social language has changed. And if they don't use the right words, if they're not perfect, or if they're not a robot, they'll be decimated. And that people like Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris offer them confirmation that they're actually right, mm. that they are right that this does happen, mm. that men are being savaged everywhere that men are losing their careers unfairly and being put in prison and that Muslims really are evil and that they've always been out to get us. And, um, and that, and that like, and that at the end of the day, um, you just need to be righteous and you will be vilified if you are righteous. Mm. Um, and it's kind of an interesting thing because it makes me wonder, is it like, is it so hard to look in the mirror? Right. Cause again, like you can have a hundred interactions, say like a man can have a hundred interactions with women. Right. And they can misstep in, in one or five of them, right? And they can look in the mirror and they could say, like, I did misstep. I was wrong. Mm. Or they could actually say, well, five times I was called out and four times I think I misstepped. Mm. And one time I didn't. And I'm righteous this one time and the other four I'm not. Right? Like, but it seems like what Sam Harris and, and Jordan Peterson offer is, like, you are never wrong. Mm. And if you do these things, you'll be so strong mm. that you'll basically repel all the trash. Mm. And you'll, like, kind of get, gallop through life <laughs> with your sword held high. Mm. 
Um, and same thing, it's like, I mean, I think it's a lot easier to hate Muslims than it is to look at the cost of our wars. I mean, like, I've argued with Pratim, um, you know, because Pratim, obviously, growing up in India, has a different view of Islam, right, than an American would who, who really only encounters it in certain aspects. And, and I, I've encountered it in the ones, my experience. But I was saying, like, I think that one could make a very good argument and a very perva- uh, persuasive argument that if you were a Muslim in Yemen or in Pakistan or in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. that you could actually look at the last 20 years of, of the history of the world regarding Muslims in the West, and you could come to the logical conclusion that, that, that the West was actually trying to destroy your religion. Right? Because if you think about it, like, you, can go from, like, you can go from all the way west in Northern Africa, you can go all the way east to the edge of Islam, right? Mm-hmm. And you can find wars that have been like waged and begun, right? And it's not that no Muslims have started fighting amongst each other. Like Muslims have killed other Muslims far more than like, than than like Muslims have attacked non-Muslims. Mm. But like we have, the United States and European nations have been like, kind of behind the scenes puppeteering or directly invading mm-hmm. countries across the entire Muslim world. Mm. And then you could actually come to the logical conclusion that like if you're a Muslim, mm. you know that you are actually under attack mm. for being Muslim. Mm. And, and uh, I think this is not simply a hypothetical idea. This is this is. Uh, one of the actual uh, lines of reasoning that 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 possibly resonate among a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Definitely among a lot of the uh, people who are recru- being recruited yeah. by more extremist organizations. Um, that yeah, I, I mean, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, you're right, and yeah. I, and the thing is, is they may be making a, a reasonable, logical argument, mm-hmm. and so Sam Harris is like doesn't doesn't say like they made a regional argument now how do we create an alternative yeah which drives people back from that yeah and and so i think it's kind of interesting because i can't tell if it's like the reason something like sam harris said or jordan peterson said about islam resonates because because it's easy to have an enemy or if it resonates because the alternative would be actually looking at what we have done mm. and it would actually be blaming like it might actually be putting terrorist attacks at the feet of the nations they're happening in mm. Like, if you actually said, well, the British government did X, Y, and Z, mm. and this has happened, mm. this is the chickens coming home to roost, mm. that's a very controversial thing to say. Mm. If you were to say, like, well, we've been fucking around in the, in the Muslim world for quite some time when 9-11 happened, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, not that we deserve it. It's not about deserts, right? It's not about, like, this is the justice, right? It wasn't justice. Mm-hmm. But to say, like, a, an outspring of this kind of meddling mm-hmm. in a region mm-hmm. may actually be terrorism. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, or saying, like, when 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 you don't have a nation state, like, obviously they were trying to create the Islamic state, right? But when you don't actually have a nation state to make war from, right? Or if, in the case of, in the case of, like, terrorist organizations, if they were to take over a whole nation, they would be immediately invaded and everyone would be killed. Mm. So they're simply making war like a nation would, but they're, they can't do it as a nation or whatever, right? And that's the way they're thinking of it. And the way we think of it is that nations are righteous and they don't, Create, they don't commit terrorism. Mm. They go to war. Mm. And yeah. anything that's not a nation is a terrorist. Mm. Or whoever is the loser is a terrorist. I mean, that's also one of the ways you can think about it, right? Palestinians are terrorists. Israelis are their yeah. military. Mm-hmm. So we talk about the Israeli military as if a command from a military commander is different than a command from your uh, paramilitary organization commander, as if one is inherently more moral mm. than the other. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. But um, mm. that's off topic and back to politics. But Anyways, is it, is it like is it that is it that looking at the reality that might have created Islamic terrorism that might have grown Islamic terrorism is it more painful to do that than it is to say like look look they're they're just out to 
You're about to get us all. Thanks for joining us in our conversation today. In the next part, Pace tells us about being the first human diagnosed with a disease of nerves and muscles that had previously only been studied in other animals.